0: Welcome back, everyone, to All Good Points. It's your favorite sports podcast that's hosted by me, Ricky Gray Jr. Now, being a head coach in the NFL is no easy feat. Each week is a report card, and sometimes your grades just don't cut it. Heading into week seven, there's already been one head coach that got fired, so let's take a look at some other coaches that are currently on the hot seat. Remember to rate and review All Good Points on your favorite podcast platform. Follow me on Instagram at All Good Points Podcast and on Twitter at Ricky Gray Jr. Now, let's start the show. <laughs> Now, I know you guys enjoyed that, all right? If you didn't enjoy the rock music, I know you guys enjoy a little bit of funk, because whether you're driving, doing dishes, doing laundry, whatever you're doing while you're listening to me, I know the funk gets you in the right mood to get to today's topics, and we got a lot of fun stuff to talk about today, starting first with the Thursday night game, New York versus New England. Um, New England went in there 135 to 14. It wasn't really surprising for anybody. Uh, New York is still dealing with some issues. They had Saquon Barkley out, they had Sterling Shepard out, Um, it was Daniel Jones' second start, so it's kind of hard to gauge, or maybe third start. It was one of the two, it was either second or third, but either way, um, it's kind of hard to gauge them against a team like New England. New England is a really, really tough team to play. Um, On top of having the injuries, you have to play New England at home. It's it's tough to go into Foxborough and win a game, really for anybody. So I'm not going to put that on New York. I think New York's got a lot of uh, a lot of uh, room as far as like the ceiling goes. As far as the ceiling goes, I think the room is it, there's a lot of room for them to grow. So, um, moving on, the Carolina versus Tampa Bay game. Carolina was able to win thirty-seven to twenty-six, which kind of begs the question. Uh, first question, anyways. Is does Carolina really need Cam Newton to win? I think the answer is no. I, I really think the answer is no. And can Carolina trade Cam Newton to another team to kind of bolster whatever they have going on right now? And I think the answer to that is yeah. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of teams that are gonna be in need of a quarterback at the end of this season um that would pay tons of money to get somebody like Cam Newton and give away tons of either draft picks or position players right now to Carolina that could really bolster up Carolina's offense. And, um, I think that's a move that Carolina has to kind of look into considering the fact that they've been winning without Cam Newton. Uh, you have to, you have to be able to weigh those options. Uh, Seattle and Cleveland had a really, really close game, but Seattle was able to pull it out 32 to 28. Um, Russell Wilson does what Russell Wilson does, man. Uh, that's just a great football player. there's I there's so there's so many times where it's like Russ gets high praise from me that I think it's it's kind of redundant to say now, um considering the fact that I'm always talking about Russell Wilson in a positive light. I, I never really have anything negative to say about him. And even when they do lose, like when Seattle does lose, it's not really Russ's fault. I never really put it on Russ. Um, moving on, Houston versus Kansas City. Houston was able to get the dub 31-24. to Kansas City is struggling, and it doesn't necessarily have to do with Pat, but it kind of does because his ankle is still bothering him, so he's not as mobile as he usually is. Um so yeah, you know, that that is what it is. Kansas City is not in any real jeopardy. It's not time to overreact and think that Kansas City is overrated. Give Mahomes time to get a little bit healthier. And on top of that, it's not like Houston is a trash team. Houston is a good football team. That's an okay team to lose to. You're not gonna you're not gonna have me kick your nuts in over losing to Houston. Houston's a good football team. Um in the in the barf bowl, Washington uh came out on top over Miami seventeen to sixteen in a snooze fest. What I will say is that Washington is using Adrian Peterson now, which is a really, really good idea. I think that's an amazing idea. I think they need to run with it. Moving on, Minnesota was able to beat Philadelphia at home, thirty-eight to twenty. What I'll say about this game is that Philadelphia's uh, secondary was decimated. They had a lot of injuries on the on the defensive side, defensive side. Um, that. Was able to be exploited by Minnesota's offense, and I can't necessarily say that I'm sold on Kirk Cousins passing for 333 yards against a like second string slash third string defensive secondary. I just I can't. I'm I, good on him. Good on him for doing a good job, but at the same time, you're not going to hear me give him a whole bunch of high praise for that. Uh, Stefan Diggs had quite the game: 167 yards, three touchdowns that's an amazing game. Um, and hopefully he's happy with that. Moving on. New Orleans was able to beat Jacksonville 13 to six. That's another game where it's like kind of lackluster, but at the same time, uh, new Orleans is still winning without drew Brees, which is what they need because by the time drew comes back, it just looks like the saints are going to be a, a real force to reckon with as far as the NFC goes, especially with what else is going on in the, uh, in the NFC, Jesus Christ and the NFC, which we'll get to in a second. Um, Baltimore versus Cincinnati. Baltimore was able to beat Cincinnati twenty three to seventeen. Yeah, Cincinnati sucks, man. I don't really know what to say. Like uh, they're they're bad. That's a bad football team. Don't be a fan of the Cincinnati Bengals. They're not like the Cincinnati Bengals when like Carson Palmer, Chad Johnson, and T.J. Houshmandzada was playing. Like that's not that's not this team anymore. This team is a whole lot worse than that one. Um, <laughs> But speaking of the NFC, San Francisco was able to beat the Los Angeles Rams 20-7. to Now, there's a couple of different things there that I'd like to talk about, mainly being San Francisco is for real. Like, you guys have to stop sleeping on San Francisco. Number two, Los Angeles is, this is real. Like, Los Angeles is struggling. A lot of teams got the idea of how to beat the Los Angeles Rams by watching them in the Super Bowl. And that has become apparent. It has become apparent that, you can tell the way that like you can you can diagnose the way to beat Los Angeles by watching how they played in the Super Bowl because their offense has not developed since then. They haven't changed anything of their offense. They haven't changed the core things that they do. And if you can do what you need to do on defense, it's 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 fine. You know what I'm saying? Like there's there's not um I don't want to say that there's not a whole lot to be worried about, but there's really not a whole lot to be worried about when it comes to when it comes to a, a shootout game, if you keep them from having a shootout kind of game with you, if your defense can hold up and your offense can do just enough to win the game, it's it's not hard to beat the Rams. Um, but yeah, so the, the the Rams ended up adding Jalen Ramsey to the roster. I don't know if you guys had heard about that by now, but they lost a couple of first round picks for the next two years, which isn't bad. But the problem is it the defense. Like the defense isn't bad. The Rams defense isn't awful. They actually have a pretty good defense. But it's the offense that's in trouble and instead of doing something to change the offense, you decided to go and get another defensive cornerback, which they did with people like Akib Talib and Barcus Peters and things like that. Like they've I don't know. They they continue to add pieces to the defense, but the defense isn't necessarily their problem. So I'm a little bit confused about that. But either way, whatever um moving on atlanta lost to arizona by a point atlanta is a team that we're going to talk about in a second so i'm not going to touch on this too much but atlanta is in a whole lot of trouble um denver was able to shut out tennessee 16 to 0 tennessee is another team that we're going to talk about in just a second so i don't want to touch on that too much um i saw a lot of lazy play in that game that made me very very upset i was not happy watching that game there's a lot of things wrong with Tennessee, and we're going to get to that in a second. Moving on, the New York Jets were able to beat the Dallas Cowboys, which is something in and of itself. That, uh, that is such an interesting kind of sentence to say. The New York Jets were able to beat the Dallas Cowboys. Horrible. Just horrible. Uh, Pittsburgh was able to get the win over the Chargers 24-17. to So good on Pittsburgh for sticking to the run game and, and playing some hard-nosed def- defense and keeping the Chargers out of the end zone. Pittsburgh's looking good, even without Ben Roethlisberger and even without Mason Rudolph. They're looking pretty good. I like it. Uh, and last but not least, the refs beat the Detroit Lions 23 to 22. I'm not going to say the Green Bay Packers beat the Detroit Lions. That's not what happened. OK, the refs beat them. Detroit should have won that game. Um, so let's let's talk about some coaches that are on the hot seat. Let's let's get into that. Um, so week by week, being an NFL coach is not an easy task at all to say the least okay there's a lot of things that go in to being a head coach in the NFL um, mainly every week is a report card everybody is staring at you trying to figure out where you're going to mess up um, what you can do better what you're doing wrong and there's always somebody that's just ready to take your job you know there's there's so many things that go into being a head coach in the NFL that it's it's a daunting task to take, right? When you, when you take that helm as being the head coach of a football team, it's not something that's very easy to do. And I mean, you could be, you could be a head coach on any level as far as it's, you know, if it's, if it's basketball, if it's, if, it's, uh, if it's football, whether it's college football, whether it's, you know, pro football, college basketball, people are always staring at you. People are always trying to figure out what you're doing wrong or why the team isn't being successful. And it all reflects on you. You know, it's kind of like being a manager. Like if you're just a manager and your employees, maybe maybe your employees are bad, but the the first place they look isn't necessarily the employees. It's it's going to be looking at the head coach, going, "Oh, okay. Well, the this head coach or manager is is not is not um, being a good example, or is not giving their employees or their players the best opportunity to look good." and and that's really what being a head coach is like you have some head coaches that aren't calling defensive or offensive plays and like Mike Zimmer is a good example of that Mike Zimmer doesn't call defense or offense he's just he's literally just the head coach you know he lets George Edwards call the uh, most of the defensive plays and he lets Kevin Stefanski call all of the offensive plays you know he kind of gets to weigh in whether or not something gets changed but at the same time like you know it's he's still that centerpiece so if if somebody was to go at this point it'd be somebody like Mike Zimmer. It'd be that head person. Um, so right now there's a lot of coaches that are kind of on this bubble or the hot seat, as they call it, when it comes to, um, when it comes to getting fired, starting first, one guy that's been brought up a lot is Freddie Kitchens, the, the head coach for the, the Cleveland, uh, Cleveland Browns. Um, here's what I'll say about Freddie. I think he, I think he's kind of getting outmatched as far as offensive play calling goes. He makes kind of silly decisions like to not let Nick Chubb run the ball when it's probably in their best interest to run the ball and maybe get a touchdown before half. And his explanation was he thought that they'd be able to pass for a touchdown, call a timeout or uh, call timeouts on defense, get the ball back and score again. He thought he was going to be able to double dip. And unfortunately, that's not the way that it went. And instead, they actually, the, the Seahawks actually closed the gap before half. That's kind of like those silly things that a head coach does where it's like they're betting big on something, and it just doesn't work out. Now, what I will say about Freddie uh, Freddy Kitchens in a positive sense is that the owners and the front office of the Browns understand that this is going to be a process. Everybody in this system is learning. You have a lot of young football players, right? You don't have a whole lot of veterans on the team like guiding veterans. You're... Basically, your leader of the team is a second-year quarterback, Baker Mayfield, that, to be frank, doesn't really know how to step into that leadership role yet. So you have to give him time to learn that you can't sit there and think that you know Baker's going to step into this leadership role and just bang it home. And it's the same thing with Freddie Kitchens. This is his second, like, I mean, I would say second year as being somewhat of a head coach for his own football team and having to call his own plays and having to make his own big decisions. These are things that that take time to develop and experience, and things like that. You're not gonna you're not gonna get a Sean McVay like right out of the gate. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes, sometimes people struggle. Sometimes they need time to actually learn what decisions decisions to make at certain times. Now, the now the thing is, we never said that that Cleveland was gonna be a Super Bowl caliber team within the first four seasons because it's just not true. They're going to need time to develop, and that's what you have to give them. So do I think Freddie Kitchens is is on any kind of hot seat? No, not really. I think the front office and the GM understand that it's going to take time to develop this offense, to develop this team, to be a powerhouse. They have the pieces. They have a lot of the pieces they need to have to be a powerhouse in the AFC, and you have to give them the time to do so. You can't just pull the plug on somebody right from the beginning. That just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, Somebody that I do think is a newer-ish head coach, but they do need to take a look at him, is Mike Vrabel, the head coach for the Tennessee Titans. And I said that we were going to talk about Tennessee, and now we are. There's a lot that I saw about Tennessee that I am disappointed in. Um, Mainly, I think Mike uh, Mike Vrabel has lost control of this team. I think he's lost control of the tenacity and the intensity of this team. I was, I was watching Marcus Mariota before he got pulled from the game and benched. Um, I was watching him try to call plays, try to call quick plays to get people up the line, even though they weren't going to win the game. But he was trying to get his offensive uh, guys up to the line so they could run a play and get down the field, score a touchdown, at least in the, in the game feeling kind of um, positive about themselves. And the offensive line drug their fucking feet all the way to the offensive line. I don't care how bad you're getting blown out. I really don't. I don't give two shits about how bad you're getting blown out. If your quarterback wants you to get to the line, you get to the fucking line. There is there's no question. There is zero question. You need to get to the line of scrimmage. He wants to run a play. Now, that's my problem with Tennessee and their lack of enthusiasm. It's like, oh, we got beat. Oh, man. Oh, God. Well, I guess we should just go home, huh? I guess we should just quit like that kind of bullshit is really what ruins a team. That's why that's why you have problems. It's that kind of attitude. It's that kind of personality and that's your offensive line. Those are the guys that are supposed to be setting the tone on every single down. And if you think that a defense that a defense doesn't understand that and they don't see that that obviously this offensive line doesn't care about this game, they're going to eat you alive. That's what's going to happen. That defensive line is going to eat you alive. And that's exactly what happened. Derrick Henry could, could barely get any yards, barely got any yards. And that's supposed to be their linchpin. That's supposed to be their workhorse. Mike Rabel has lost control of this team. And if he does not regain it, if he does not regain it, he will be out of a job at some point, whether it's at the end of this season or at the end of next season, he will be out of a job. The only move that I'll say was intelligent by Mike Vrabel was benching Marcus Mariota because that needed to happen a long time ago and putting, and putting Ryan Tannehill in the game. That is, that is truthfully one of the best things that he could have did. One of the smartest moves that he could have made was benching Marcus Mariota, somebody that hasn't done really anything for him. Marcus Mariota hasn't done anything for the Titans in a very long time. Everybody's thinking that Marcus Mariota is going to be the truth, the way, and the light for Tennessee. It's just not true, okay? You have a good quarterback right behind him in Ryan Tannehill, a quarterback that can read defenses. He can scramble if need be, right? He can make smart decisions. He can audible at the line of scrimmage. He knows how to go through his progressions. That's your quarterback. You stick with him. Okay. You got this guy on a fucking deal. If I could give you Kirk Cousins and I could take Ryan Tannehill, believe me, I would. Okay? There's a lot of things, there's a lot of positive things about Ryan Tannehill. So so Tennessee needs to get in get into gear and actually use him to see if they can save whatever season they have left cuz right now they're looking pretty bad. Mike Vrabel was 9 and 7 last year. He's starting off this year 2 and 4. Okay? You have to make a move. You have to make a play otherwise you know, you're going to be out of a job and you're going to be looking for a defensive coordinator position here pretty soon. That's, that's just the reality of the situation. Moving on, let's talk about the Cowboys head coach, Jason Garrett. This is his last year of this contract. Okay. This isn't, this isn't playtime. This is not playtime. Okay. Last year of your contract, this is when you need to be dynamite so you can get another extension. Like you got your 30 million three year extension, you know, three years ago, which is insane of itself. I mean that that's already insane. They gave this guy three years, thirty million dollars. He's up to his last year of his contract. This is this is stupid. This is just stupid. I don't even know if it was three years. Maybe it was five years. I don't know. But either way, this is the last year of Jason Garrett's contract. He needs to be dynamite. And instead of being dynamite, they have lost three games in a row, three of them. Okay. Do you think you're? Do you think that you even deserve? deserve a contract after three games in a row you lost to the saints okay but you lost to the saints with teddy bridgewater not even drew Brees. then you lost to the packers right in a game that you should have won because you were at home and then you lose to the jets what 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 are you talking about how are they losing to the jets how is that possible and then you got jerry jones coming out going no 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 we don't do, do, do. jason garrett will be our coach are you serious bro are you serious are you kidding me you have to be absolutely shitting me with that. If you think that Jason Garrett should be your coach after losing three games in a row. Okay, so if you don't think that Jason Garrett is the problem, then you tell me what the problem is. What, what's the problem? It's not their offensive line. It's not their offense. It's not the pieces that they have on offense or defense, right? So it has to be coaching. It can't be anything else but coaching. That's the reality of the situation. Now, whether Jerry Jones wants to admit that or not, at the end of the year, at the end of the year, there's going to be a lot of people going, okay, well, Jason Garrett, here we go with another 8-8 eight and eight or another 7-9 record where it's just a lackluster season for the Cowboys, even though they have all of the pieces to be a really, really good team in the NFC. You have to ask the question whether or not he's actually the coach for you okay you got somebody like Lincoln Riley just waiting in the wings to get brought up from the from uh, from college football you got somebody like PJ Fleck waiting to get called up from college football you have all of these people and then you got you you got to think whether or not you know Harbaugh is going to want to continue coaching in Michigan after all the stuff that's been going down in Michigan you could bring him up there's so many coaches in the NFL and in the NCAA that you could bring up that could be a better option for you right? You have to take that into account if you're an owner. If Jerry Jones really wants this team to succeed, he has to be able to look at the head coaching and figure out whether or not this guy is the right person for him. Now, let's talk about the guy, if he if he's the right person for the job. My number one coach that's on the hot seat and guaranteed, I would say guaranteed, get fired at the end of this season, at least by the end of this season, Dan Quinn. Okay, This team looks awful, and this team has looked awful. Since they lost the Super Bowl, the Atlanta Falcons have looked horrible since they lost the Super Bowl. That's, that's just a fact. And at this point, you can't tell me that it's anything else but coaching. It has to be coaching, right? You have all of the pieces there. You have a great quarterback in Matt Ryan. You have pieces like Julio Jones, Mohamed Sanu, Calvin Ridley, Devontae Freeman, Austin Hooper. You have so many good football players and you can't win football games. You just can't. you last year you went seven to nine. This year, you're starting off one and five. Who else's fault could it be? Who else's fault can it be besides Dan Quinn? right? You have to they already got rid of their offensive coordinator because they thought it was the offensive coordinator's fault. They already did that two years ago, or maybe it was a, a year ago, but somewhere around there, they got rid of their offensive coordinator thinking it was his fault, right? He goes on, he's doing well. So now the only point uh, the only person that you can point at is Dan Quinn. That's the only person that's left to fire, right? And 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 now the 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 owners coming out going, "Well, you know, we're going to give him to the end of the season. We won't we won't make any rash decisions." Okay, well here's a rash decision for you. How would you feel if you ended up 4 and 12 at the end of the year, right? A Super Bowl team. A team that was in the Super Bowl not long ago. Okay? because let's not act like it was that long ago that they lost a 28-3 to lead to the New England Patriots. Let's not act like that was a long time ago, right? But uh, now we're at this point where this team looks like one of the worst teams in the NFL. Like, if you're playing Atlanta, if you see Atlanta on the schedule, you're going, okay, well, it looks like we got to win that week because they cannot play football. They look horrible. The play calling is horrible. There, there seems to be no drive to want to win football games. That's the, that is the number Dan Quinn number one coach that I think should be let go either at the end of this week or at the end of the season, whenever they do it, but they need to make a decision. They have to pull the plug on this guy because either he's, either he's lost control of the actual football team or the plays, call, the, the plays that he's calling are just absolutely idiotic. Anyways, that is it for me this week, guys. I've got uh, coasters still ready to be shipped out. All you got to do is DM me on Instagram. At Ricky Gray Jr. or at All Good Points Podcast, and I can send you some. I got a couple of magnets left. I got some cards. We're going to be working on some more merch. So remember to rate and review All Good Points on your favorite podcast platform. Follow me on Twitter at All Good Points. Um, actually, it's on Twitter at All Good Points Podcast and on Twitter at Ricky Gray Jr. and on Instagram at All Good Points Podcast. Either way, <laughs> whatever way you find me. Find me, DM me so I can send you some merch so I can, I can keep you guys happy. Uh, remember to rate and review. I think I already said that. But at the end of the day, you guys have a great weekend. DM me your coach that you think should be let go at the end of the year. You guys have a wonderful one, all right? I will see you next week.